Welcome to Self-Help is Bad for You, where you get dumbed-down life advice from a Buddhist brat who barely understands himself, let alone you. Over-promising and under-delivering with occasional interviews with amazing guests and friends of Elephant Journal. I'll discuss everything from President Trump to zero waste, factory farming to wellness tips and recipes, how to write a book, spiritual materialism, why positivity sucks, meditation, community and local food, dating, commitment, love, and loneliness. Each week, we'll meditate together, and I'll share one mindful lesson for your everyday life based on my Buddhist upbringing in a windowless basement in Yonkers. New episode every week. Elephantjournal.com slash podcast to subscribe to iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or my YouTube channel. May it be of benefit. What's your name? Andrew Newman. And what do you do? I write conscious bedtime stories. Yes. And how did you get started on this path? Uh, you know, I, I did many years in healing schools, and I was studying healing and doing my own personal development, and uh, everyone who came through my healing practice uh, was dealing with an issue that started before they were six years old. Uh-huh. And I thought, hmm, well, we're missing something. There's right. something I... I, I like pruning the messed up trees out at the branches instead of getting them at the bud. Correct? Right. I, I learned so many things that were wrong when I was young, and I had to relearn them. And like, kind of, what's one thing specific? Um, you know that the world's a scary place. Okay, right. And, and that it's unkind or unsupportive. Right. And and that's not true. That's in your not mind? true. Fundamentally, this is a loving environment here to support us in in being ourselves. That sounds very Buddhist. That's not. It hasn't been my path, but I, that that can't be wrong. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Well, many paths hopefully will connect. So. Before we get too deep, can you just give us some visuals uh, for those of us who are watching the video? If you're not, you can go to, what's the URL? Conscious Con- Bedtime? ConsciousStories.com. ConsciousStories.com. Yep. So give us a couple visuals. So You are holding there the elephant who tried to tiptoe. She's not being herself. There we go. She needs to fall in love with who she is and how she is. And she's reminding children to be their true selves. Okay, because the elephant wants to tiptoe. It wants to be a delicate little ballerina. Right, she's comp- like. she compares herself. Let's open up a page and you'll see okay. what she what she does. I mean, this book is full of uh, full of little animals. You know, the starting point, uh, the body I've been given is a big gray, heavy one. It isn't light like fairies nor fast like cheetahs run. And so there's the comparison right, right. up front. She's she. So is, it's kind of like kids with the magazines. They're like, I wish I was stronger. I wish I was thinner. I wish I was more conventionally beautiful. Whatever. Right. I wish I was anything other than the way I am. Right. And, and then she gets to this point where she goes, but those are special features of others in the wild. Each is quite unique, like every special child. And she's starting to realize they, you know, monkeys do this and cheetahs do this and bears do this, but I'm an elephant and I've got some special features of my own. Fantastic. And um, Like what? Like a cool trunk? Well, well, here we go. I have a herd who loves me and knows that's super cool. The biggest ears you've seen and in the wild, I rule. <laughs> and then and she, can I ask a couple questions? Mm. So do you write all these? I write them, yeah. And who illustrates them? There's a, there's a, there, I've worked with three or four different illustrators all back yeah. in South Africa. Uh-huh. This one is Liesl Bell. And uh, another kind of obvious but fun question. I feel like adults secretly are going to take these into their you know armchair and read them. Right. Without children. Yes. Yeah, my oldest customer is 82 years old. Right. She bought them for herself, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like all the best children's books have kind of timeless lessons, right? Yeah. We want to resonate with our humanity. No, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all people. Right. Yeah. Except for the elephants among us. 
Right. Right. Is there an elephant in the room? Well, in your book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There may be an <laughs> elephant in this room. There might be in this in this yes this office. And uh, then and then did you do you, so the other question is often ch- uh, parents want their children to do good things in quotes right like be virtuous do be nice little kids and that's sort of boring and then kids want to like play video games or run around like crazy and eat sugar whatever it is <laughs> do children actually and I I know you're probably going to say yes but do children actually enjoy this viscerally well I mean I do hear back from from parents saying yes yeah so one of the one of the the uh, the features of the book is that there's sticker sheets at the back. This is to help kids choose these books over the other books. Oh, there's that stickers are on... in the back? Oh, of course, there's stickers Whoa. in the back. And that, that's the, what does that sticker say, Waylon? I love myself. Right. And, and here we've got in the boy who searched for silence, the sticker says, I fall into silence. Wow, beautiful. And, um, and we also have some little stars right at the back there. And parents... You know how many times parents go, how many times have I read Thomas the Tank Engine? Right. Right. So now you can count. You can actually take a star off the sticker sheet and you can put it on the star counter and you will know how many times you've read the book. Oh, I see. Um, nice. We've also, also write... It's a, kind of motivating for them. Oh, I've read it 10 times. That's right. Right. Yeah. So it just, it's, it picks up the engagement. But uh, we got this little six-year-old read the story. Which one was it? We were at the market, the hug who got stuck. Um, and... Uh, this is the journey between the head and heart. It's uh, do you know do you know where hugs are made? Uh, I have a feeling I'll know after I read you, this you, book. You will, you will. But I mean, intuitively, I w- w- what part of your body do they come from? Oh, I was going to say in the North Pole or something. Um, <laughs> hugs are made in your heart. Yes, they are. And they, did you know that there's a hug factory in the middle of your heart? I no, I didn't know it, but that makes sense. Yeah. So you'll there. There it is. That's your first introduction. Okay. Is it a fair labor factory? I have a feeling it is. Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I actually haven't seen any workers in the factory. Uh-huh. Oh, which is it's, it's natural. It's, it's a little bit mechanized, and then, it's, and then it's natural. I see you have solar panels in the factory. Yeah, yeah. yeah because incoming hugs come into the factory, and uh, their love glows brightly, and it gets caught on the solar panels, which charges the battery, and then deep in the center of the heart, there's other hugs growing on trees. Okay, I always find this a condescending question when people ask me, but I want to ask you, because this seems like... I feel like whenever someone does a job that it seems too good to be true, where you're talking about hug factories and stuff, people always say, and people ask me all the time, oh, is this your full-time thing? So is this your full-time thing? This is my full-time thing. Good for you. So your full-time job is teaching children that, how would you sum that up, that they're okay? Well, that they're safe to be themselves and that uh-huh. they have a place that they belong. So you're like the South African, like Mr. Rogers, <laughs> just with cooler glasses. And I, I've heard of this Mr. Rogers. I didn't get yeah. to grow up with him. Oh, but he's magical. You have to watch him. Right. Oh, he's amazing. You're okay just as you are. I can't imitate him, but he was <laughs> a very gentle spirit. And, and, you know, the central thing for me is that the last 20 minutes of every day is precious. Okay. It's a time for connection between parent and child. Kids are integrating so much at that time. One day, if you're a four-year-old, there's so much more of your life than it is for you and I as yeah. a percentage. They've gone out into the world. They woke up being themselves. And then so, something knocked them back a little bit. A teacher said, hey, sit still when they wanted to run around. Right. And, and they start to shrink just I got yelled bit. at like most of my childhood by everyone because I was... And what was that like for you, Waylon? Yeah. <laughs> I love you, man. Um, <laughs> Because I was loud and, and 
and you know probably uh, if I were born now I would be diagnosed as ADHD I was just full of energy and delight and rambunctiousness and had very few boundaries you know I mm-hmm. just wanted to make noise and trouble mm-hmm. and at the time it was considered normal so in some ways I was lucky like mm-hmm. people didn't yell at me um, because they thought I was a bad evil kid but just because I was just uncontrollable I had too much energy mm. you know how could how could that even be possible right too much energy. What is right. what is that? That and and this is the, the the emerging language in the conscious parenting space, which uh, Oprah's guest Dr. Shafali talks about. Says that that you being all energy energized. If I have a problem with that, it's my problem, and and it's my opportunity to awaken to right. that, and I get to sit with the, the 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 sensations in my body around it. Yeah, I find the same thing. Um, there was a great article in the New York Times a couple years ago about parents using the techniques of the dog whisperer, says or Milan, for their children. Right. And one of the first ones is never try to train or reward or punish your dog until it's relaxed after exercise. If the dog is too full of energy, you don't try to teach it anything until you tire it out. And for me as a child, that would have been great. If right. instead of yelling at me, they were just like, get out there, get tired. And then we'll talk. Right. You know, then I could have been present. Yeah. You know. Um, so what are, just to, uh, you know, we're a big website. We're full of lists, right? Yes. The top eight things, the blah, 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 your ex-boyfriend and Mercury retrograde. So <laughs> what are some of the top um, mistakes uh, that children are being taught or learning? You know, like bad lessons, like lessons maybe we should stop trying to teach our children. Um, well, some of it, some of it is, is, and when I say teach, it's externally modeled by society. Right. Right. So, so osmosis. Yes. Like. Yes. It is right. osmosis. So, um, I can find, I can find happiness outside of myself. Uh-huh. I can find contentment in things. Right. If I get that toy or I get to go to water world on the slides, then I'll be happy. Right. Right. Um, we also, we also uh, model a lot of blame. We, we, uh, uh, we can, it's very quick and very natural to go, Hey, I'm. Uh, it, it, this is your fault, and um, and again, the the self responsibility piece is um, uh, it's worth looking at. Yeah. The boy who searched for silence goes looking for silence out in the world, but he ends up finding it inside himself. I see. And so here's here's that 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 journey is always inwards, and that's wonderful. Yeah, a lot of times we want someone to shut up because they're irritating, or we we can't handle the city anymore. We need the countryside, and then. You know, the Buddhist sort of expression is wherever you go, there you are. That's actually Bakru Banzai. We can't, we, but we stole it. And, uh, you know, it, you can go to Vermont, your little countryside cabin. You can work 60 years to get rich to be able to buy that cabin, get to the cabin and find that you're noisy. Right. Still. Right. Your head right. is noisy. Right. So this is all about the relationship between your inner self and your outer self. And I want that, I want kids to, to, to grasp that early. Um, you'll see that each story starts with a breathing practice. We call it snuggle breathing. Mm. Um, four simple breaths. Um, I breathe for me. I breathe for you. I breathe for us. And I breathe for all that surrounds us. And obviously, if we slowed that down, and that the, the whole room would get quieter and, and softer. And, you know, again, just to repeat myself, since I'm such a talented interviewer, um, do children actually enjoy that? You, you know, at times. Yeah. So it's not all kids all the time. Okay. Um, but it's but this is a this is a uh, as much for the parent as it is for the child. Sure. It's about that's profound. Like, 
Like, you know, mum at the end of the day when she's taking a kid in, her day's not over. We know this. And that she's, 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 she might have work that she's still got to do. She's certainly got housework that um, um, whoever's looking after the house has to, like, sure. a, the dishes might not be done and the laundry's right. coming and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but, but presence is the healer always. Mm. And this is what that, that says. Come present. It says, hear your breath. Come present. Come present to yourself. I breathe for me. Come present to those around you. Come present to what's happening in the space, mm. and just be there. And and that's profound stuff. I mean, we talk about we rag on positivity all the time in in uh, elephant. Being positive is of course wonderful, but positivity is often about not being present. If the present situation is negative or toxic or difficult, get away from it. Right. In Buddhism, we encourage folks to open up and be raw and vulnerable and kind of brave with whatever's happening in the present moment. And then you can relax after that bravery, you can relax and uh, actually enjoy life. Right. Meet the moment. And it, yeah. and it is a muscle, it is a muscle that needs to be developed. Right. And this is, and this is why the invitation needs to come in many forms. Right. Um, kids in the mindfulness and education networks are growing around, the, uh, around the world. A lot of it is being pioneered in the U S which is a lot of why I'm here. Mm. And, and, uh, I see, I see many, many supports on the same message coming in in different places. Um, so are you like a, like a, do you go tour around schools and things like that? Um, I've done some schools yeah. thing. My focus has been getting the, the back end of the business ready so that sure. we, we now have the subscription service. We have the distribution channels um, in, the, in the U.S. Uh, South Africa is coming online. Um, so how does distribution work? Are you, you're your own publisher. You're I, your own I, I am my own publisher. And the, the choice around that was that I would have had to split the collection to, uh, to get a, a, a bigger mainstream publisher taking something sure. on. And I would have lost creative control as well. Sure. And, uh, no, and I did the same thing with my book. Right. But, and then how did you work out distribution? Cause that can be a pretty difficult thing if you don't play the play with the man. Well, unfortunately, you play with a man, and it's it, uh, part of the process. Of course, uh, our invitation is always to say, come through. Uh, I come out of a small family business background. It was jewelry, mm. but I loved that people did business person to person. Mm. And it's very different to walking into a mainstream um, uh, retailer that's got hundreds of stores around the country. You know, I always shop with a little guy if I can. You know, that's my hope that people will come yep. to ConsciousStories.com instead of going to the big A. Um, right. Um, because it's, it's, it's better person-centered contact. And that's what my entire business is about. Yeah. So. yeah for anyone listening or watching, uh, there's an article that I recommend to everybody, anyone who shops in the, with the big A, who yep. will go unnamed. Um, titled, uh, what is it? It's on the New Yorker. Um, now I'm going to forget it, but it's a great article, New Yorker. Oh, well, I apparently need more coffee or less coffee. We'll find out later. It's Stay one, tuned. It's, <laughs> no, but it's an article a couple years ago about Amazon and um, their kind of overwhelming power, even over the likes, you know, liberals love to rag on Walmart or something. Mm. Walmart's made some improvements. Um, Amazon dwarfs Walmart by... Uh, factor of a thousand at least right so if you want to support small publishers and artists and writers shop local use bookstores you know direct website mm -hmm. so i really encourage people what's the website again conscious conscious stories .com. yeah and i see you're on eco paper so you're trying to walk your talk a bit we, yeah we that's are nice. definitely trying that yeah that's great um okay so uh, so what are a couple of the other lessons that you would love to see kind of for, 
um, stop getting out there for children. I'm asking that badly, but what no, is... Being, I understand. Yeah. I understand. It. Um, what, what are some of the lessons that are unhealthy for our children? And then we could maybe touch on a couple that you're trying to communicate. Well, again, we're talking about, about fundamentally the safety to be yourself. So anything that that shuts it shuts down the aspect of a child's essence that doesn't mm. encourage um, their creativity. Mm. Creativity is, 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 is part of our nature. The... Um, but it's, this is, happens in subtle spaces. A kid goes away, creates a, a massive masterpiece, and mum takes the masterpiece and says, oh, look what my child did. And it becomes her masterpiece that she's she she's taken from them to make her proud about the child. I'm right. not saying every mum does this, sure. but it's an easily done thing, right? Right. And uh, Or if I'm good at baseball, then mom or dad are going to say... I'm so proud of you. Like it's part of them. In it, a way. it becomes the, the child becomes the parent's identity, right. and and parents need to hold their own identity. I understand for mothers, um, particularly because of having carried a child and birthed them, that there is a um, the first seven years has so much closeness in it, right. and the child's really fully forming their own energy field, their own system, their own self, and their identity. You know, after seven, and so. Uh, what is your background in terms of philosophy or religion or? Or you know ethics. Well, I, I got I, I was I was raised um, uh, Anglican Christian under apartheid South Africa. Uh-huh. So, so that's, that's so not complicated at all. Domination and control. Right. You know, or big authority figures always externalized to self. Um, and so in a way, this comes out of your own story. You had all kinds of probably complicated lessons growing up absolutely. your first seven years absolutely yeah. and 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 i credit uh, my time i uh, my time at a healing school i trained with barbara brennan for four years doing Who, who's this uh, she's the author of a book called hands of light or light emerging those are her two and uh her four-year uh, school trains healers but it's very much a personal transformation journey mm. and that's the first time i got exposed to the fact that some of my thinking might have been might have been off kilt. I might have. Mm. I might have like misunderstood some things mm. about the nature of the world. And was that hard, or was that inspiring, or both? Uh, it's definitely both. Yeah. Um, it's it's. Uh, uh, it, Sounds it's, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's liberating. Yeah. And but good personal development requires bumping up against. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, assumptions and beliefs. Oh and, shoot! I'm totally wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's a humbling moment, right? Yeah. We see. We see that model wonderfully in our president in the u.s right now uh, no comment yes exactly moving on <laughs> a moment of silence right well i mean i, I and i lived through the, i lived through the transition in south africa right. through the mandela era coming right. in and the old school um uh presidential power hungry uh top-down leadership controls and the move having seen that move once to this beautiful um uh, Mandela slash Bernie Sanders outlook on the world. Um, it's uh, it's fascinating for me to be in it again and to be uh, watching with curiosity to see what happens here. Right. Yeah. So far, so good. I think in many ways, uh, very few people would agree with that, but I, I've been heartened to see journalism and various uh, branches of government, the judicial overall, even though the Supreme Court got tilted, uh, kind of holding up. There's a lot of pillars of democracy, only one of which is the president. So. Right. So far, we're seeing a fair amount of this civilization hold up. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Climate change is another issue. So um, coming back to this, what are... I mean, just, just yeah, saying, he, maybe please. he needs a hug. Yes. Like, maybe he's got a stuck hug and everybody he needs, should... He everybody needs a really give, long like, hug that he would not probably 
have a hard time accepting. Right. He, he, yeah. He definitely he his fast his uh, endless desire for self affirmation is clear. Right. And we all share that. You know, he's not the devil in that way. Yeah. Um, so, what are some lessons that you want to you know pass on? Specific lessons, maybe like three or four or five. Uh, through all your books, you have a whole big colorful stack here. Yeah, there, there, there is a big stack. Um, you know, let's connect with nature. Connection is the heart of the heart of everything for me. It's the heart of healing. Disconnection is is the moment of separation that creates wounding and pain in in our system. Uh-huh. Um, separation is the moment that does the healing. Um, and and it uh, to me, all of the stories are themed around that. So whether you're connecting with nature like the laughing witch does, whether you whether you're um, <laughs> Uh, the prayer who searched for God, who is um, who goes out in the world looking for a prayer. That is a prayer riding a breath. If you've never seen one, wow! And um, uh, a prayer riding a breath. That yes. sounds, and, that sounds and, and, beautiful. And uh, um, helping kids to to use prayer and breath to find God within. Mm-hmm. So whatever God means for you. And this, sure. this is, I was I was edgy about writing this, um, but. Uh, I trust the stories that I receive, and yeah. this one's written in a, an interfaith peace camp in Israel. Nice. So working across communities and yeah. um, interfaith is wonderful stuff. There should be more of it. Right, uh, the tree of goodness. You know, helping children to love themselves as they are. It's very, it's very zen. Nothing happens in the story. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a big hero's journey where right. the, where the, where the character learns something because it poses the question: What makes a tree good? And in the same way, what makes a child good? It, you, were, you were talking earlier about parents wanting their kids to be you know, bright and shiny and perform and do all right. of this. The reality is they're good from, from the start. They're right. made of goodness, as Desmond Tutu would say. Mm. And uh, it, it doesn't, uh, we need to keep falling back into that inherent goodness. And if we can see that in each other, uh. Uh, then the, the behaviors on the personality level aren't so, um, so concerning. Right, there's just waves above the ocean kind of. Perfect, yeah. perfect. That's yeah. exactly. Well, I didn't make that up. But yeah, um, <laughs> can't take too much credit. Yeah, I think, you know, you remind me of my mom, who was an amazing mother. Um, not perfect, but an amazing, amazing mother. I was raised by a single mom, and I've always joked that she was, she's always saying how proud she is of me. Mm-hmm. But she said that in every phase of my life, always whether I was doing well or horribly, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I would always joke that I could be arrested, put in jail for like the worst, most shameful thing ever. And she would call in and say, I'm so proud of how you're dealing with prison. And um, <laughs> no matter what I did, what I did, I did. Is it, it's it's this, this unconditional pride, which is sort of strange. It doesn't feel like she's actually proud of something I've done. Right. But it's just that tree of goodness. Kind right. Of. It's just, she's just unconditionally proud of whatever goodness I, I may have. That's that's beautiful. It is. She's a yeah. she's a great mom. And it's a profound lesson, you know, that she's not proud of me if I do well and you know if I'm a baseball star or if I make money or it's not conditional. Right. the the home The home run's not what it's about, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um. And we see the opposite with many parents, especially in this sort of TV driven culture, that children are driven to succeed. Yes. And to be busy. Yes. Reggie Ray talks about that. I see his quote on one of your books. That's that's right. And I, I don't know what age it is in this country that, that children need to start choosing their subjects for university and what it is that they're going to go on to become. Right. I mean, for me, that was about 13 years old when that happened. Mm. And it, and um, what it, what is that? Why do we do that? And like, that's probably even late these days. People are like, you have to have violin recitals and ballet by the age of three so that you can be a great... 
you know, the next Misty Copeland or whatever. Right. Yeah. And and then and at then, least in America we are driven for that stuff. Yes. Yeah. And the parents are stressed and the kids pick up that stress yeah. and think that one of the things that I mean imitation is, is what kids are about. They learn mm. so much through imitation. Right. They want to be like mum and dad because right. they want to be close to mum and dad. And if they're the same then therefore therefore it's gonna be easier, there's gonna be left. And it's how they're figuring out how to get through the world. So right. If dad gets angry, they'll learn from that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so this is this is the work of um, the adult, the parent. Um, many parents are doing great work. A lot of personal development history um, in in mm. the U.S. Uh, hugely more so than than other parts of the world. I mean, we, we know that mm. that the psychological development here. Yeah, I mean, we're in Boulder. Everybody's here second generation psychotherapy. You know, your, right. your parents had psychotherapists here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. is what I joke about. I mean, that's not the South African situation. It's right. certainly not other countries. But it does mean that something yeah, else is surfacing here. Here, if the uh, school doesn't have, like, a couple goats on the campus and, For yoga? You know, yeah, and, fr- and yoga classes um, and green smoothies, you know, is not going to cut it. Right. Right. It's not quite that extreme. I mean, academics are still good, important and yeah. all that. but. Yeah, we have we're blessed with a good public education system. Here. Right, and 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 I recognize um, I've had some uh, many educators pick up the collection of books. Um, I've had a couple who've really dedicated their time, uh, Christian Mayra, who have created um, uh, teacher guides for each of the stories, mm. so that the books can go into wow. a traditional mainstream. Uh, evidence-based outcomes education environment. That's the kind of the the catchphrase in. Um, uh, you know, if you're not in Montessori, then right. you know you might be having to work as a teacher to these sort of deliverables. Right. And the and, no child left behind kind of legacy. R- right. It's no longer that, but it's that the government wants to see certain evidence of lessons being imparted. Yes. Which makes sense, but it's hard to it's, measure. It's very hard to implement on an on a on a national right. basis. Right. And 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 with, the more we push into system, the less we get. Uh, connection with the child in the way that uh, mm. that we want to nurture. And, right. Um, yeah. So so obviously the Montessori community loves the sort of collection, but we want it to be able to be available um, in a wider education spectrum um, so that everybody can use it. How do you deal with? Do you relate to diversity in terms of children coming from all kinds of different backgrounds, rich, poor, black, white, you know? Latino, all the diversity that seems so vital to America, now. right? Um, I, I, or I, the world. I'm st- I'm stretching into that. So we've yeah. got uh, a couple of ways that we we've addressed that is to have um, a, a mix of male and female um, sort of heroes in the stories. Right. That's been the starting point. We've got uh, the hug doesn't have a gender. So uh, I mean, I don't know if a hug would be male or female. Right. Um, and uh, then we, we, you know, the characters. Um, uh, that are that are there's a story coming down the line. I don't want to say too much about, but we've worked specifically with um, uh, identity of the little girl in that story, who is the most human character we've had to develop at this stage, mm. um, and we and we want her to cross over um, racial lines to be to to be identifiable to everybody, mm. um, rather than to say that she's right. she's she's uh, black or white or Asian right. or or something else. Um, and 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 I do fall back on the South African history that I have to a lot of awareness of this being discussed in South Africa in my university days twenty years ago, mm. um, and right um, of course and and um, uh, very um, 
I, I watch myself. I mean, here's the thing. When you grow up in apartheid South Africa, and, and this may be controversial, but it's my belief that you grow up racist. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, and whether mm-hmm. I like it or not, that I carry programming and scripts that were given to me in my childhood by society. Mm-hmm. My parents were fairly, you know, they weren't activists. They weren't, um, they weren't uh, degrading to anybody. They just sat in the middle line. But it doesn't mean that I didn't pick things up. And I will have to right, work with assumptions, it. which is a polite word for prejudice, yes. prejudging. Right. There's just so you grow up in in that kind of world. Right. Yeah. And so I have to watch, and wake up to this time and time again mm-hmm. that I might still be carrying that. No matter how much work I've done on it, no matter how much my intention is for. Um, healthy connection with other human beings, seeing them all as good like the tree of goodness, seeing a person right here, Mm -hmm. it's like I have some things inside me that are lurkers that may come up to the surface. And I think that that, that's a very good example of like what lesson someone can get taught wrong. Yeah. Like that that that, that racial lesson is getting taught around the world incorrectly. Right. um, And uh, that that might say this person is is different and therefore unsafe. Um, That's just not true. Um, but there's another profound lesson there where we to that you're saying if we can all sort of accept that we have prejudices that we are hardly aware of some we're aware of some we're not aware mm-hmm. of um, but not to condemn ourselves unnecessarily it's good to take that seriously that we all have prejudices mm-hmm. but then how to just bring that to light because right. people can change there was this beautiful article about this self-described racist who um, in the U.S who uh, made friends with an African-American family. They helped him out in some ways, and he just he started reading and, you know, reading all the history of African-Americans in the U.S., and he started just, like, reading more than anybody we know. Right. And he was just delighted to learn that people could be fundamentally good yeah. of, of any color or any appearance or yeah. any age or any class. And it was just such a beautiful story. Um, it's not always that beautiful or easy or inspiring, but... I feel like a lot of particularly like privileged upper class or white people love to sort of self-flagellate for their privilege, but they don't necessarily take the next step to do anything positive out of that. Right. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of kind of identity politics where we're not even really allowed to help one another anymore. Yes. So I know this is all controversial, but... um, you know, we all need to work together to create a more enlightened society. Right. And stop sort of blaming one another. I mean, blame is important. It's important to accept blame, right? Yeah. But we need to step beyond that and offer something helpful, right. like your books here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, one of the most terrifying things that I did in South Africa was the first day that I spent on a Habitat for Humanity um, uh, uh, house build. And it was terrifying because it was the first day that I was going from the white area of of uh, Cape Town into the black area of Cape Town. Right. Now that segmentation of areas was 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 uh, politically uh, delineated, sure. and it was very strong. And I didn't know what it was that I was going to find or what I was going to experience. Yeah, segregation in the U.S. I mean, we think apartheid was extreme, but we practiced it as government policy. Right. You know. Until quite recently, and in some ways, it still is going on. It will, it, it will yeah. live because history lives on. So, yeah. um, and I then went on to spend a year on on the staff team at Habitat because what I found was um, vitality, communities without walls and fences, the the, the uh, communities that were communities that were people engaging. I mean, our family home we lived in for forty years, and I don't think I knew the neighbors. Wow. And and 
Um, I mean, we knew who they were, but we right. weren't. But you we, didn't hang out. We weren't neighborly, yeah. Yeah. and uh, there wow. was there was no can I borrow a cup of sugar or hey, right. I'm hungry, I can't get to the shops, and and this is what happens um, in the whether it's the favelas or whether it's the townships in South Africa. It's like like when when there aren't walls, you know other things happen and there's a whole thread. You're listening to somebody else's music because they're playing it next door. Now, you know, work your way into relationship with that. Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, in my neighborhood, there's, um, there's a certain amount of chaos. I live near the college. Yes. And a lot of upper class folks don't want to live there because of that noise and people yelling, Mama at 3 a.m. You know, <laughs> it's always like the crassest language at 3 a.m. Someone's getting dumped. Um, but <laughs> I kind of love that chaos because it forces you to engage with neighbors and talk with them and make relationships. And if you go to a perfectly quiet, heavenly, yuppie neighborhood, I'm sure it's beautiful and calm, but there's n- even less connections sometimes, at least here in yes. Boulder. can be very isolated. And then you go to this new urbanism. For anyone who wants to live in community, check out co-housing or new urbanism, right. which is my favorite thing ever. You go to that new urbanist community up in North Boulder and there's 80 children running around together, kind of unsupervised, but there's tons of adults everywhere. Yes. And uh, the adults are having fun. Everyone's connecting and watching outdoor movies. And anyway, right. fascinating stuff. And, and, and I have a story that's coming around that. And the story yeah. is called We Are Circle People. Ah. And, 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 and it, it, because for me, I'm, a, I'm, the com- I'm, uh, yeah, I'm that, that community guy as well. I've, I yeah. know exactly which community you're talking about. In North yeah. Boulder. I lived out in the Nyland co-housing community. Nice. I'm in a community in, in Boulder. I was in one in Scotland when up in the Findhorn Foundation. Oh, wow. And, and, um, and uh, if I get an opportunity to check in with someone, go, how are you doing? Take a moment of sort of like settledness together. And that happens at the start of my day. My day goes so much better. Mm. And I feel like when we, when we arrive to our cubicles, um, I know that's changed a lot with the internet, but certainly you know, there was a cubicle generation yeah. um, who, who went to work and it's a little bit like factory production. Right. And um, we, we make the most of it because we're good at that as humans. We can make almost any situation work, but it doesn't mean we're thriving. Right. And, uh, and I want our children to thrive. Yeah, and you have another new project coming up, right? The, the, one, that, the one that's just gone live for the animal communicators. Okay. Right, so... Um, oh, right, Diablo. How Diablo became spirit. Now, this, uh, this, this is a real-life story, and, it's, and, it, and it got filmed in a movie called The Animal Communicator, and it's online, and the, 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 the YouTube clip of this has had 10 million views. Wow. People, the, 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 I mean, I would dare say we're all animal lovers, um, but, but this is an amazing moment where uh, Anna Breitenbach, who's an animal communicator, gets called in by the documentary team to a situation she hasn't seen before, doesn't know any other background, and there's a big black snarling leopard in a sanctuary, and that leopard has not come out of its night shelter for six months since it moved there. Like it, a little cage? It's not a little cage. There's space for it to come out, but the ah. the little the little hut at the back of it is where right. it's it's hiding. Right. Be- because of its history with um, with zoos and with the way it's been treated and with wow. people, and um, and uh, this time in the story, the video uh, online uh, tells it from a documentary perspective. This particular story is written from the leopard's perspective, and the leopard was called wow. a Diablo. I've 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 met. The animal. I've, I took a pilgrimage journey to go and meet him, wow. um, and um, I'm very good friends with with Anna. And 
and uh, and our children love connecting with animals. Mm. They just they they're so good at it. Mm. Um, all of the tools and the tips on how to do it are in here. Where we give them everything they need. It's called Spirit's Secret Steps. Um, you know, set your intention, clear your mind, open your heart, begin connecting, say hello, ask a question, listen patiently, say thank you, share what you've discovered. You know, and then just a reminder: don't be, don't assume anything. And and so that's well, wait, what have we got? Spirit yeah. secret steps. Wow. And Love and that. this is this is uh, gone on to on to pre order now. We've launched this. Um, we've had um, uh, wow, the first six hundred books have sold in a week, mm. which is fantastic. Good People who are saying we we want this story, let us have it. The moment it's printed, uh, this is a mock up. The moment uh, we have a uh, a printed version coming out, it'll be in jet black, which comes out beautifully. Nice. Um, and it's a little bit older than, than the other stories in our range because these lessons can work for kids um, up to up to eight or twelve. Our stories we say are for for children from age about three to eighty five. So how did you start this path? What was your first book? How did that ha- How did that happen? Um, first book was a little light, uh-huh. and um, I was. Um, journaling as I did and my journaling had turned to poetry and then one day uh, sitting in a field in Scotland I, I wrote a poem that I thought needed some pictures mm. and and that's that story mm. I worked with a friend who was the illustrator uh, I was earning 10, 10 pounds an hour at the time uh, supporting uh, deaf uh, people in community and wow. Um, she, she cost 10 pounds an hour. So, so it took, took a while to make the book. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, I didn't write another thing for about four years. And then, and then there were two poems that both needed hmm. pictures and it was like, Oh, we'll do that. Hmm. And then there was another one. And all of a sudden I had four and I thought, what am I doing with him? My circumstances changed my, I completed a job role. It gave me some space. Um, and I, then I started the inquiry. I went off to the Frankfurt book fair and I went, Hey, I've got books. Who wants them? And of course, nobody was the answer. Um, and I met the president. So this is like with the world's biggest book fair. The, or most the eight important. football yeah. stadiums yeah. of books. Yeah. It's exhausting. It yeah. was so exhausting. I even skipped school one day. I just couldn't go. It was like, oh my goodness. And you had your little table that costs like probably your entire fortune. No, not not for that oh. one. I just walked around with the books. Oh, and, I see. and of course, a big t-shirt saying, <laughs> you know, I thought somebody would snap me up and think I was the greatest thing right. ever. Um but but I came back from that humbled and determined, and I realized that hmm. I didn't need to sell as many books as, as Random House needs to sell if they sign a title. Hmm. Um, and I'd spoken to the president of, of Random House Children's Books for the USA, and, the, and in a three-minute conversation, I understood she needed to sell hundreds of thousands of books, right. and I didn't need to do that. And from that, I asked the question, I said, well... You know, I, I, I'm more about community. I'm more about the message getting out. I'm less about selling books. Um, how do we do that? And the solution for me has been a subscription service mm-hmm. to say, what if we had a committed group of, of families who, who, who share the same values around parenting, who like the content and, uh, of what's coming out here? Why don't we get together, get a book a month going out, have more communication around um, how is bedtime? Let's get parents. I'm not a parent, you know, full, full ownership of that. But parents have got to be talking to each other about what works. Right. And I can facilitate that through, through the story mechanism and through, you know, the online technology. There's a great line in one of my favorite movies about a boy, which you should steal from uh, Hugh Grant, where he's, uh, he's uh, 
you know, older bachelor and he doesn't want to have children or get married or anything. And he's uh, criticizing um, a mom, how she's bringing up this kid who he's become close with. And she says, what do you know? You're not a parent. And he says, well, my authority is I was a kid. <laughs> and this is not how, you know, kids work. Right. You know, it's something like that. It's a great I, 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 yeah. I was love. I was once a children. Yeah. Well, I was a, I was a boy. Uh, well, thank you, Andrew. It's super inspiring. These books, for those of you listening on the podcast, can't see it, uh, are just gorgeous. They all go together really nicely. Right. Well, the colors are emerging. We keep writing, and then every time we've got to choose a new color, and then right. it fits into the collection. And right. uh, it's exciting to have 11 and a half books out at the Good moment. Um, the, the 14th and 15th in production. Wow. Yeah. You're on a roll. So again, uh, what's the website? ConsciousStories.com. And you can just buy a book or you can join the subscription. Absolutely. You can do it one at a time. You can join the subscription. The subscription gets uh, value adds like coloring in books and stickers. And Uh, we want to keep the messages alive in the home longer than just story time. Uh, You know, Disney's busy doing that to us uh, anyway. Um, Our children are learning about being princesses and princes and and, and archetypes, which which... uh, which have their place, but they also we we want to have a balance um, in on the bookshelf next to that with uh, with conscious messaging as well. Mm. Um, maybe one final question: What are a couple uh, you know old old or famous children's books that you respect? Um, I I love um, Julia Donaldson's work um, and and uh, Sandak. Uh, where the wild things Maurice are, Sandak, yeah. Maurice Sandak. I mean, his his art is just yeah. extraordinary, and 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 what he knows. Uh, then in in the more sort of traditional um, mind body spirits uh, space, Neil Donald Walsh's book, uh, the little uh, the sun, the little boy in the sun, the little light in the sun. I'm, I'm forgetting it right okay. now. Um, again, books that have transmission in them that mm. can really convey um, mm. from a place of depth within the author to the reader, um, something special. Hmm. Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you. Well, an thank you. Great and pleasure. Please, everyone, uh, whether you're listening on Facebook Live, on YouTube, on Elephant, or on uh, one of our many new podcast uh, channels, please support uh, Andrew Newman and Conscious Bedtime Story Club. Or the company itself is just Conscious Stories. ConsciousStories.com, and then yeah. the club is uh, what you right. join when you get your first book. Well done. Yeah. Keep it up. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to Self-Help is Bad for You. New episode next week. Go to elephantjournal.com slash podcast to subscribe.